Hello, and welcome to this episode of Who Belongs, a podcast from the Haas Institute for a Fair and Inclusive Society at UC Berkeley. I'm Sarah Grossman, talking today with Christine Wong-Giap, who became the Haas Institute's first ever artist-in-residence in the fall of 2018. As artist-in-residence, Christine sought to explore belonging and well-being in the Bay Area by asking residents where they experience belonging and then commemorating these places with letterpress-printed certificates installed on site, as well as featuring them in an atlas of belonging with participant stories in their own words. In this episode, I spoke with Christine about her project and how her conception of belonging changed during her time with the Haas Institute. Christine, thank you so much for joining us today. I should say that you are in New York, which is why we are talking on the phone. Oh, anytime. Thanks so much for having me. So before we begin to talk about your project with the Haas Institute, I wanted to ask about your art practice in general, as much of your work plays around with positive psychology. What is positive psychology and why are you drawn to exploring that? I would describe um, my practice as an artist as I'm a project-based artist and I often use printmaking, drawing, sculpture, and installation to explore positive psychology or psychological well-being. And for me, I've been exploring positive psychology for about the past 10 years and started out with an interest in optimism and pessimism, and then I realized there's a whole field of people who already study this. So positive psychology is kind of like, if you think about the medical field, um, instead of waiting until like someone ends up going to the emergency room with a heart attack, like actually starting to talk to people who are pretty happy already or so-so, and then helping them just like realize what they're already doing to support or maintain their own happiness and so in yeah so it'd be like talking about nutrition or quitting smoking way before the fact of people waiting to crisis mode so if you look at the history of psychology it's been a lot focused on trauma so positive psychology is a more recent movement um, to get more knowledge about positive things about things that can go well and so where does belonging fit in with this? Well, I've been doing different research projects using kind of surveys and questionnaires. And I started out doing one about collaboration and then one about interdependence and agency. And then um, belonging, I started thinking about belonging in 2016. And actually, you know, there's just a lot of messages out there telling who telling people whether they belonged or not. Um, I think with the Muslim ban especially, and just um, me being a child of immigrants, I really identify strongly with the immigrant experience and um, kind of wanting to take a, just um, take a stand about like immigrants belonging here too. Um, and I think belonging is connected with all those aspects of positive psychology in that um, it's very much related to a sense of safety, acceptance, and authenticity. It's interesting that um, you mentioned the Muslim ban and some of these other more pernicious things that have come up in the last year because a lot of the arts and cultural response to that has been to um, focus on the negative and the critique, which is also important. And um, when I came across your work, I was really interested in it because it is kind of the flip side of, of the coin of moving beyond the critique and towards the the building something. 
Um, actually, positive psychology is all about affirming the positive, and I think um, in a lot of like academic settings, critique is framed as opposition. So there really isn't like um, a mode of critical affirmation. And I think working uh, with positive psychology forces me to focus on what's going right. And I think um, my project is kind of structured in a way where, um, you know, even though the backdrop is like country or administration telling certain groups that they don't belong or that their rights are not as important as other people's rights, the project kind of starts small with like, is there a place where you have felt a sense of belonging? And um, the way I structure it in the questionnaire is um, maybe it's a place that at a certain time on a certain day of the week, that's where you felt belonging. Maybe it's during your, on the certain field, but during, especially during your soccer team's um, practice or whatever. Um, so I think starting small and kind of seeing how people build a sense of belonging in their lives and eventually that sense of belonging might expand. And then not only do people feel belonging in that place, but maybe that place starts to feel belonging to them, regardless of what other people's messages are. Mm. Before we go any further in talking about your project, could you explain a little bit about your, your process and, and the final product that you came out with? Oh, sure. Um, so I started by creating the questionnaire, and there's kind of um, several parts to it. It first started um, asking people about if, how they identify, how they define belonging. So how does belonging feel? Like what does it feel to not belong? And then is there a place where you feel or have felt a sense of belonging in a nine county Bay area? Um, and then I also asked people, because I was inspired by Brene Brown, if they carried a sense of belonging with them. And then if they answered yes to either of those two things, then we asked them to describe that place or that feeling, um, if it's a feeling where it came from, the impact of belonging on them, what it allows them to do. And then, because I was working with Evan Bissell, who's the Haas Arts and Culture Strategy Coordinator, he encouraged me to also think about um, asking people, what are the system structures, policies, and practices that um, support that place of belonging or that feeling of belonging? Then there is a third section that is, if you answered no to those first two questions, what would you, what would enable you to feel a sense of belonging? And that was more like envisioning the conditions of um, where you might feel belonging. So um, there are kind of like three components. Now there's the book, the certificates, and the bandanas. Yes. So um, I made a book. It's called 100 Stories of Belonging in the San Francisco Bay Area. And that kind of compiles a bunch of different um, first-person contributions from the different groups we work with and um, has some photographs of the certificates and the bandanas. And so the certificates, um, basically, if people chose a place of belonging, then they um, chose 25 places to commemorate with a hand-lettered and letterpress printed certificate which I framed and installed at the site. Um, and a lot of those are public sites, so people can go see them. Could you give examples of some of those sites? Oh, sure. The Stud, which is the um, 
South of Market Neighborhood's Longest Running Gay Bar, and it was nominated by Toria Cummings and John Cartwright. Um, and I think the study is super interesting, just as a space of liberation or queer magic. And um, it's also great because in the story of gentrification in San Francisco, there's a lot of grief and loss, but the study is um, really cool because it overcame uh, potential closure through um, a worker collective forming and um, saving them. Um, so then that's one of the certificates. So there's 20, there's a lot of other places. And then, then I also made bandanas. So I made six, I screen printed six bandanas and each one is based on stories of people who carry their sense of walking with them. Mm. When it came to designing individual um, bandanas or, or other items, how did you decide how to design them? I mean, what, kind, what elements did you put into the actual art? All of it is very text-based, and all of the text is drawn from people's words. Um, and then I kind of had to kind of find the essence of what they were saying, and then I do a lot of, like, hand calligraphy, and um, the form itself, it's drawing from kind of my own, like, tropes, so my, the own style of calligraphy that I usually do, and then certain color palette I've been using to think about belonging, which is like a salmon color, and then other complementary colors. Um, so, for example, with the bandana, one was um, by this guy, Nico, who talked about the mystery of, of being. So for him, his sense of belonging is tied to a pretty, like, um, uh, mystical sensibility. And so I made um, two interlocking uh, spirals that creates, like, a bigger circle. Um, to me, that's, like, a pretty intuitive way to visualize, um, you know, the sense of, like, connection to the universe. And did your understanding or conception of belonging change during the course of this project based on the stories and feedback that you heard? Yeah, it definitely deepened and, and um, got really specific. And I think for me, one of the kind of like highlight moments of the project is, um, you know, there's le- several levels of participation. There's the call for participation, there's the workshops, and we ask people to submit their contributions and have dialogues. And then there's there's um, the reception of the finished work, but in between there's like me going to each place of belonging and installing the certificate and connecting with people in what felt to me like a secret tour of the Bay Area. Mm. So um, just like meeting people, seeing their spaces, and hearing what belonging means to them or how it feels to be honored as a place of belonging and their relationship to the nominator. It was really, really special. And I think just the level of specificity of the difference of each of those places also kind of um, really grounds belonging and, and acknowledges kind of like the diversity, not just in like a social way, but just like human diversity in, in the Bay Area's geographic diversity. So like some of the places were like 3.9 Art Collective, which is a collective of black artists in San Francisco. And 3.9 represents 
a projected future percentage of African-American residents in San Francisco, which has dwindled a lot over the past several decades. And then another place is a swimming club in the Bay in Aquatic Park Cove. And you know, I'm from the Bay Area, and so I thought I knew a lot about the Bay Area. But going to these places and learning about places that I'd never been to, or even learning about the fact that people swim in the Bay, which I think is kind of amazing, and um, that just knowing that there's a club where people go swim in the Bay every day, even if it's super cold or rainy or whatever, that really grounds like how people find belonging, what they're doing to find belonging, where it is, etc. In general, I'm curious what was the response when uh, people or people running places were told that they were a space of, of belonging? How did they react? Generally, people were really honored. And for me, it was especially um, meaningful to acknowledge the work of the people who um, kind of design or, or create or uh, maintain a place of belonging because it is a lot of work and sometimes those people are a little bit invisible or not always acknowledged. Um, so for me, it's really, it is really wonderful to say like your work really matters to someone. And, um, you know, sometimes people are in a position where they don't always hear from people about their, how somebody felt about a place. Um, so it is like nice to kind of, kind of create that circle back to them. In addition to our work with belonging, a lot of the work that the Haas Institute focuses is on bridging. And I'm curious if there were any spaces that also demonstrated bridging, as in a space where you wouldn't expect um, a person to feel belong or made to feel belong, belonging, but they do. Were there any examples of that? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, Well, I... um was really fortunate and I was connected with a group of Chinese political dissidents who are now in exile and living in um, Union City in Fremont. That was um, a really nice connection that Abby Chen and the staff at the Chinese Culture Center helped me um, for me because they actually helped facilitate the workshop in Mandarin because I don't speak Mandarin. Um, So they had a lot of really interesting stories and just for example, one person from that group happened to be uh, a wheelchair user, and he talked a lot about um, going to the hospital and actually having his wife's child um, when their wife was when their wife was delivering their third child. I think the um, sense of like accessibility that he experienced across multiple levels, including in language translation, um, which I think is like. You know, I know a lot of organizations have advocated for that um, in for many years, and just to see it in a really concrete way is nice. And he has also talked about how, like, in China, they don't have handicapped parking spots and stuff, and mm-hmm. how just being able to park is, like, a way he feels affirmed in his right to belong here. Wow, that's so powerful. Um were there any other unexpected stories that you heard during during your project? Uh, well, this was also another nice story. So, um, you know, I learned a lot in this process. Um, one thing that was really interesting was 
a resident of San Leandro who chose to re remain anonymous actually um, nominated San Leandro City Council meeting um, because there's a specific meeting when um, the City Council wanted to pass a resolution creating um, sanctuary status in San Leandro. And I didn't know this, but San Leandro was a sundown town um, where there's a lot of segregation. And um, for this resident, passing that resolution was kind of correcting or healing a part of their history. Um, and um, this person talked a lot about like all the diverse groups that came to testify. And there were some people who came forward who were like anti-sanctuary status, but everyone was really respectful. And just being in that room and seeing all the diverse faces and really feeling like taking ownership of San Leandro um, and addressing its history, it seemed like a really powerful moment. Wow, that really is like so powerful. Did, was that na actually named as a, as a place of belonging? Is there a... Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's, I made a certificate to nominate that specific meeting. Um, and it's funny because it's like a point in time in 2007. Um, so I actually approached City Hall. And I think it's in the... The certificate is now in the office of the city manager in their lobby. So I asked to make sure that it was in a publicly accessible place. And that is... Wow, that's beautiful. And that leads me to my next question, which is about the different types of belonging that you, you came across, which you talked about briefly earlier, is some were, you know, physical spaces of belonging and others are carried and others, other people expressed they didn't feel that they belonged. And I'm wondering, what did you learn about these different types of belongings and the different factors that contributed to their, their difference? Like, was there... Were, were there different ways that people felt belonging that they carried or belonging in place? Mm -hmm. um, well, um, the book is kind of organized into different sections. And so, like, one of the sections is nature. Um, so a lot of people felt a sense of belonging um, when they're out kind of in the wild and feeling their body and just acknowledging the Bay Area's open spaces which kind of led me to learn about the area's open spaces and all these places are preserved because a lot of activism um, decades ago, uh, which made me really grateful for things that people did that I didn't really realize. Um, another section is athletics and play. And I think it's important to, to realize like how much people need to move and be in their body to feel a sense of connection. Um, and also how it's a place for growth and personal development and connection with it, a team. Um, another section is arts and culture. And a lot of people really felt a, a strong sense of connection through art studios or galleries or South First Fridays in San Jose or just like eating um, dim sum <laughs> in like the outer sunset. There's another section just on neighborhoods, which was interesting. Some people just identified an entire neighborhood as a place where they felt belonging. Um, so one person nominated North Beach, and she was um, from the Iranian diaspora, and but she could feel like the Bohemian past, and it really resonated for her. Um, she's got an amazing story. And then school and work was another place where people felt belonging, which is interesting. 
Um, and some of those workplaces are connected to um, global health, an example of MedShare. So having a strong sense of like personal purpose and service. Mm-hmm. And then people also mention faith and healing, so like churches and a rabbi's home came up. And lastly, people mention homes and housing. So um, for a lot of people, especially kids, um, their place of belonging is their home they feel most secure and then I also worked with the Beat Within which is a writing workshop inside juvenile halls all over the Bay Area and for them a lot of their strongest desires is just to go home. And you're originally from the Bay Area but now you live in New York and you came back for this project and I'm wondering did your sense of belonging in the Bay change between when you moved away and, and when you came back? On a personal level? (laughs) Yeah, well, um, let's see. So I moved away in 2010, and I go back and forth for our projects and to spend time with family, and so much has changed in the Bay Area in the past nine years. Um, But then um, it's it's funny because there are a lot of times where I feel like, where am I? Or it's like, oh, my God, the Bay Area has changed so much. This place that I used to like to go to is no longer there. But then it's also given me a strong sense of, like, when those places of belonging still exist, I'm so grateful. And I think doing this project really made me realize, like, uh, what it takes to preserve and maintain places of belonging and, and just acknowledging, like, there's a lot of spaces. Some are public. Some are semi-public. Um, that um, it, it just takes a lot of intention and care to preserve those places. And you also did a smaller version of this project in New Mexico. And I'm curious what kind of similarities and differences did you find between conceptions of belonging there and in the Bay Area? Well, um, in Albuquerque, that project was only five weeks long from start to finish. And this project in the Bay Area had five months long. So obviously in terms of scale, I could do a lot more. And... um, I was really grateful that with the Haas project, I was able to translate materials into Spanish and Chinese and engage a little bit of a wider audience that way, which is really um, important, I think, for this kind of project. Um, With the project in Albuquerque, I had two kind of primary community partners, so a lot of their responses were grounded in those two kind of groups of constituents. So one was um, a group of Hispanic slash Latino, which is different in New Mexico, um, uh, uh, young artists, and some of them were dreamers or DACA recipients. And then it was interesting for me that um, a lot of what their program taught them is is to learn how to belong in spaces that weren't created for them in mind. So maybe they want to become a curator. Maybe they want to go to a fancy East Coast school, which is the best school for curating. Maybe that school wasn't created for DACA recipients, you know. Um, And how do they kind of create that sensibility for themselves, which I think is really interesting. And and also one of the things that was really nice for me about that Albuquerque project is learning about the environmental and cultural specificity of things in Albuquerque. That's all new to me. So sometimes people mention acequias, they're like 
um, irrigation channels, and people sometimes would go swim in them when they couldn't um, afford to pay to go into mm. the public pool. Um, and so I think that kind of site specificity is one of the beauties of the project in Albuquerque and also in the Bay Area. And is there something that you hope viewers that come across um, your, your plaques in person will take away from them? Oh, yeah. I um, have an aspiration that it will help people acknowledge that places of belonging exist in the Bay Area, that, they, that places mean a lot to different people, um, and that um, a lot of care has gone into um, creating and maintaining that place. Hmm. And what are you working on now? Um, I have been thinking a lot more about like vulnerability and authenticity and how that connects with resilience. But in a way, I feel like all my projects have had um, maybe like all these things I've been thinking about, like belonging or interdependence. These are like um, nutrients or something for resilience. Um, so I think it's all related. And I'm just trying to figure out how to go about exploring them. And I think so much of belonging is tied to movement and activities and a sense of flow. I would like to explore um, somatic some more, or um, I've been reading a lot of sports psychology, I'm not sure how this all fit in, but um, yeah, so, you know, it, uh, my projects take a lot of incubation, so I'm just in kind of a absorption mm. mode. And if uh, listeners want to see more of your work, where can they find it? Oh, I have a website, um, it's just my name, christinewongyap.com. And then um, that's also where they can see photos of the belonging project. All the signs are on there. All the certificates are on there. And then also all the bandanas. And then um, the book is also available. If you're interested in ordering it, you can order it through me. Um, and then we also had some copies at Wolfson Books in Oakland. And there's some, some libraries have gotten them. And I'll try and post that on my website of what library systems there are. Christine, thank you so much for talking to me. It was so interesting. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. And I'm so grateful to the Haas Institute and especially Evan Bissell for all the support of this project. I, I really couldn't have made it without them. And also all the participants, all the people who connected me with organizations, everyone who helped facilitate the workshops. None of this would be possible without them and their stories. Thank you so much. And that was Christine Wong-Yap discussing her project as the inaugural Haas Institute Artist-in-Residence. If you're interested in applying to be our next Artist-in-Residence, applications are now open until August 9th. Learn more at haasinstitute.berkeley.edu forward slash AIR. You can also hear more episodes of Who Belongs on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on our website at haasinstitute.berkeley.edu forward slash who belongs. Thanks for listening.